Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. How bad was India's data deficit going into the pandemic and how do we fix it? It's day 523 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 30,944,949 confirmed cases and 411,439 reported deaths. First, let me begin with an apology for falling behind on the podcast. One of the reasons for this is because of the reporting that I have been doing around COVID mortality in India. This is something I intend to spend some time talking about on the podcast, but before I get to that issue, I'm going to take two episodes to talk about India's data deficit as well as the efforts to fix it. This is absolutely vital because there is little that you can answer with confidence about the pandemic without the right data. We've seen this in previous episodes where I talked about the terrible data on vaccine effectiveness that the Indian government was peddling, and then we looked at the actual scientific data on vaccine effectiveness that the UK was producing. A quick reminder that vaccines are extremely effective and I would urge you right away to get vaccinated if you aren't already. On this episode, I'm excited to speak to the economists Paul Novosad and Sam Asher, co-founders of the Development Data Lab, that's devdatalab.org if you want to look it up. I did this interview several weeks ago and listening back now it's ironic that we talked about excess mortality because subsequently I and other journalists did access the mortality data that Paul mentions later and coincidentally all of that data is now hosted on the development data lab we'll be talking a lot more about excess mortality in future episodes but first we began by talking about a paper that Paul and Sam had done on the differences in infection fatality rates between population subgroups in India which I've linked to in my medium post with this and that got me talking of my consistent complaint about how covid analysis about interstate differences in India has gone there's both a national and a um, subnational exceptionalism in in a lot of the explanation so it's that there is you know something inexplicable going on in bihar that is uh, led to such low cfrs across the state or there's something inexplicable going on in india that uh, saw that um, curve just nose dive for no apparent reason in september um, and of course there's a lot that we can't Uh, answer right now and there is a logic to uh, infectious diseases that's not always immediately apparent but it also seems that a that there isn't enough data often to explain things and b that that gap is being filled in by by not very uh, solid empirical explanations paul responded first and then you'll hear sam join in i think that's right i think the so for for me the you know biggest missing data piece in india has been the excess mortality this has been available in many many different countries and you know at the end of the day you're not going to be able to test every person who's covid positive and we're finding that you're not even going to be able to confirm every death that is a covid related death and uh you're also the, some people are going to be when the infection when infection rates get up to 50% 50% of people who die will have covid just because 50% of people are infected but those aren't those aren't shouldn't necessarily be attributed to covid uh, excess mortality has been one i think very telling statistic 
it's, it's still a little bit complicated because it's missing uh, deaths from other causes like economic distress or lower traffic fatalities. But for the most part, it has tracked pandemic severity extremely well. And my, my, I've been following it to some extent. And my sense is that it has really been minimally available in India. It surfaces for one city here or for one city there. We don't have the time series. We can't necessarily match it to the waves. And this is something I, this is something that going forward, I hope the government kind of recognizes what a deficiency this was and moves to more systematic, uh, consistent tracking of total mortality. You don't even need the test. You just need the total count of people who die, say, by district, by month. And that's, that's something that can be generated relatively quickly. And if that was made public, it would be incredibly helpful in understanding uh, the the course of the pandemic, maybe, maybe with two weeks of delay, but that's uh, because that's that being the time it takes from you know infection to death in many cases. Um, yeah, but that would be a huge improvement. I mean, you know, a lot easier said than done, of course. Uh, I think with many of the Paul and I in general, what we try to do at, at Development Data Lab and with a lot of our work is trying to take all of this wealth of data that has been generated out there and and put it together in a way that makes it a lot more useful. And so we've largely focused on the final mile problem because the Indian government has generated just a wealth of data, um, censuses of various types, you know, um, or satellite imagery that's out there and, and, and can all be combined. And, and our sort of philosophy is investments should only have to be made once in putting all this stuff together, and then the whole world should be able to use it. When it comes to deaths, you know, the million death study showed that India doesn't collect information on like the majority of, of deaths in the country. The majority of deaths are not in uh, official facilities. Um, we don't know that they're happening a lot of the time, let alone what the cause was. Um, so it's going to be a massive challenge. But I, I completely agree with Paul, uh, echoing what he said, that like this is something that, that just needs to be invested in if you're going to have uh, a functional public health system and one that understands the, the, the challenges that it's tackling on a daily basis. You need to collect the really basic information uh, on, on what people are, how many people are dying and what they're dying from. And, and I think we're currently pretty far from that. I got talking to them then about what the Development Data Lab is doing and seeks to do in terms of data. Sam answered first. Our hope in general is that our that our data platforms are these, what we're trying to build is something scalable to greatly reduce the costs of incorporating a lot more data in the future, whatever that data is. And one of our hopes is that we're helping to create the demand for that data in the future so that it actually ends up coming out. I mean, I think one of the clear, you were just saying this, like one of the clear weaknesses uh, of data in India is the, is the lack of real-time data. Right. And for researchers like us who spend a lot of our time trying to understand, and Paul and I have been working for a decade on the long run determinants of, of economic growth, right? And studying things like infrastructure, rural roads. We have a new paper coming out on canals, really trying to understand this big thorny question of like what drives rural growth or like what can better generate the, the conditions for, for economic mobility in the cities or whatever it is. Those are long-term questions that require long-term data. But a lot of policymaking requires real-time data. And the pandemic is like the ultimate example of that, right? Where we just needed information in real time on what was happening on the ground, as Paul said, maybe delayed by a week or two in some cases, but that would be so much more valuable than, than what we had a lot of the time. Um, and my hope is that this that the whole world is waking up to the importance of real-time data. We're, we're starting to look a little bit into that. Um, you know, I think throughout history, um, 
or the history of modern data systems, like government has been the primary provider of, of data and it's had the resources to generate these public goods. Um, but government is slow and seems to be slowing down, if anything, in some ways. Um, and, and yet there is such a wealth of information for the first time out there from private sources uh, on the state of the economy. Every major tech company you know, knows a different corner of the economy in, in something very close to real time. So one of the sort of aspirations we have is to try to work in that space and really try to start to generate the kind of data that's really useful to the public, to researchers and to policymakers in something much closer to real time. And it doesn't just go for the pandemic. It goes for, you know, economic policymaking, targeting of economic shocks. You can think of things like, you know, natural disasters. All of these things require just much better real-time, on-the-ground, high-resolution information. Paul had this to add, and then you'll hear Sam join in at the end. A lot of what we have done so far is taking these big data resources that our team has put together and made them public for everybody else. But there's this, there's this, uh, kind of higher aspiration where we're aiming to build this data infrastructure that makes it very easy for other teams to contribute, right? Because our, we, we do what we can, but we're one out of thousands of researchers working on India, and we're trying to both shift norms and shift incentives and lower costs and basically make it very easy for other people to plug into you know, this backbone that we're creating and make their data publicly available. And some various other research teams have already started sharing data through, uh, through the platforms we've been building. And mm-hmm. you, know, there's, you can just imagine imagine a world sort of like the open source software world where you know, social scientists and scientists are all contributing to this, uh, to making data available for everybody else. And we're basically trying to, trying to build up some of the infrastructure to make that, to make that easier. Yeah, we've sometimes called it like a Wikipedia for data. And if we can, I mean, this is a very lofty aspiration and one that's very far from where we're at right now. But like, we're trying to, as Paul said, we're trying to design the backbone. We're trying to design the... I thought it was an Uber, an Uber for data. (laughs) (laughs) I would certainly be more profitable. I asked them finally about whether they thought India was punching far below its weight in terms of data. Sam responded. Two things. One is like historically between the NSS and the census and all this, India has just generated, like the, the established programs have largely generated just incredible wealth of data. I think limited in various ways. I think we, you know, Paul and I have focused on high resolution data because we think there's so much to be learned there that like we're not learning from the NSS and things like that. But, it, but India has established data programs in these sense that have generated just incredible wealth of data for a very, very long time. And then the second is that the Indian government has really picked up in a big way on program data, on the sort of data exhaust from specific programs. So the PMGSY makes a wealth of rural roads data available, including on like the contractors who build the contract, you know, who build the roads and all that sort of thing. So Norega so is a great a example. Huge source of uh, like very micro data on uh, payments made and public infrastructure bills. Right. Exactly. So I think of India as like sort of great in those areas and like pretty weak in other areas when it comes to like, oh, crap, we need new data sources now to tackle this problem. Like we need to kind of generate that data and then make it publicly available. And that's where I think India has been really kind of slow and 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 disappointing. Um, and and especially, I mean, and, and, and that includes even more established things like the labor force surveys coming out really, really slowly or the NSS is sometimes not coming out. I mean, uh, or the HMIS taking ages to be updated or having all sorts of holes in it. Um, I, I do wish that there were more of an emphasis on 
uh, on data quality and on and on recency and and like just appreciating the urgency with which this information is needed by the research and and policymaking communities. And, Thanks to Paul and Sam for speaking to me and to Aditi Bhomik, DDL's India Director. I encourage you to look up devdatalab.org. On the next episode, I'll be speaking to the head of another lab that has produced vital open data on health for India, data that has been very valuable in the pandemic. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurti. On the next episode, a new question.